fuori Benvenuti al Christian Podcast Well, hello my friends My name is Beto Gudino Welcome to the Christian Podcast Today I thought I would do something a little different Because I'm like three minutes prior to start a podcast with Dan Koch, who is the, a podcaster, uh, well, many more things, but he's got a podcast named You Have Permission Podcast, and he's also had a podcast previously that I used to listen to a lot called Depolarize, but I thought, what if I start recording and say hello to the audience even before he comes on, and then... We kind of walk through the process of you know, opening the chat and all of that. And I don't know. I feel like it could be interesting. <laughs> so normally I do my calls through Zoom. And by the way, if you're watching this on Roku, thank you so much for watching. I think it's one of the most, um, like the better outlets that we have right now for our video. I uh, would highly, you know, recommend if you would or no request if you would like to give us a review on Spotify or iTunes check it out the podcast there too Christian podcast and uh, leave a positive review leave some stars leave us a comment you can visit anchor.fm slash Christian podcast and we're there too and that's actually a place where you can support the show through anchor you can support the show so simple with one dollar $4 or $9 a month. So would totally welcome anyone that wants to support the show. It will help produce more episodes. This all requires, as you might like look around and think, it requires technology and a little bit of investment. Not super much, but um, nonetheless, we'd appreciate all of your support for the conversations that we are creating for the 21st century. I believe Christian Podcast is about conversation more than anything else. It's about bringing the questions to the table and then going around and listening to each other rather than trying to make a cross. This is my point of view. Listen to it. You should believe like I believe. Uh, no, I think I, I have a way different approach. So anyways, let me see if Dan Coke is close. I'm excited. This, this is going to be a good show. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, I'm not wearing a hat. And here he comes. Right there. At mid. Uh-huh. There he is. He's got way more stuff than I do. Way more guitars. Way more production and technology. And way more babies. True. <laughs> well, I mean, I only have one baby, so... I don't have way more babies. Way more because my kids are older. So you win because I don't have babies anymore. No babies anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you use the video or just audio? I use the video. <laughs> I'm going to put a background on then because it's this is very messy. Okay. We're going to delete that then. <laughs> okay. I was I was starting the podcast before you came on. So, wow, look at that. Uh, I see. We can leave it in. That's fine. People can hear me scrambling to to see how uh, you know embarrassed I need to be. I do. Yeah, it's it's my it's my music studio, which is my day job, and it's also got a yeah, like you said, a little play area for my son who's about to turn one, and nice. uh, also it's just got some like garbage, you know, like uh, packaging from a computer and stuff that I haven't taken care of yet, and that's a little bit embarrassing. That's fine. No worries, man. No worries. Plus, I the love all the guy. books back there, man. Just tell me about the books. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not real. I don't know whose books these are. Uh, in the real background, I got a bunch of records. My books are in the books are um, in the other room. Oh, I thought it was a picture you took of your actual living room, and just oh no way, overimposed this is, it. <laughs> this is some kind of uh, yeah. This is some kind of beautiful mansion. This is not my house. Uh, nice, love yeah. it, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. My name is Beto Gudino. Would love to introduce myself to you uh, 
finally right here on the screen. I mean, it's a little. I yeah. almost feel like I want to reach my, no, my hand out and and go like this. <laughs> yes, we can virtual zoom shake. handshake. There we go. <laughs> um, so. I was telling the audience, even before we started, a little bit about how I found you, that a while back I was listening to this thing called the Depolarized Podcast. Yeah. And I thought, man, this is phenomenal. I, I think you're brilliant. I think you have you know, like very opinionated and substantiated uh, ways and points of view. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, you know, later on I found out, wow, now he's got the You Have Permission Podcast. So a little bit of what I'm trying to do here with Christian Podcast is kind of feature other podcasts that are under that, you know, like kind of like Christianity label when you go to iTunes yeah. and Spotify yeah. and just talk cool. to the podcasters and see what they're a little bit about. But all that to say, I always feel like I want to get to know you a little bit more than then just tell me what your podcast is. And I'm growing too, you know, I'm on like my 21st episode. So I consider yeah. you like a legend already. <laughs> uh, wow, it doesn't take much to become a podcasting legend. Yeah. You know, compared to other, uh, you know, being an author or a filmmaker or, a, or an athlete, all you got to do to be a podcasting legend is just like make a few a hundred episodes. <laughs> and then you get legend status. I'll take it. Yeah. Legend status, man. In my list, you're already a legend. And uh, plus, I don't really follow sports anymore. I used to, though. I used to. Too busy listening to every podcast on the Christianity charts? Pretty much. I came from Guadalajara, Mexico. So I was yeah. a big fan of my team called Chivas. Yeah. But then. Chivas, Mexico, yeah. Yeah. So, but then here in the US, soccer was not really a thing i mean it is but it is not <laughs> so it's weird isn't there a second shivas team that's like in california there was in the mls or something they were but they didn't okay. make it so now yeah. it's gone oh bummer i'm from yeah. san jose california actually so where are you oh, where are cool. you in california i'm in southern california in costa mesa in costa mesa so nice. it's um orange county yeah yeah nice man well we'd love to get to know you a little bit before no, before we talk about your podcast and like all these questions I have about like deconstruction and um, <laughs> yeah, your well, website uh, and stuff. But yeah, tell me a little bit about no. Okay, your so I I sort of I was in a band for ten years called Sherwood. So I dropped out mm -hmm. of college after three years to play in this rock band, and we toured and we put out three records at that time, and um, you know played all over the world. Went to Japan, went to the UK and Europe toured the US and Canada like something like 15 times. I lost I lost count. Um, and out of that, I uh, made friendships with other bands. And some of uh, those closer friends were the guys in a band called Emery. And they started a podcast called Bad Christian. And so I started coming as a guest onto their show. And I kind of got a taste. And I was like, hey, I, I, I think I like doing this. I like podcasting. So I started up Depolarize. That was my first show, which you mentioned earlier, which was about politics and psychology, and a little bit of religion. I, I always wanted to talk about religion, um, you know, Christianity specifically, but it what didn't always make sense. So sometimes I'm kind of shoehorning that into episodes that don't, you know, it's not really what the show is about. And eventually I stopped doing that. And uh, I, I had had another um, podcast with a buddy that was around, around Christian questions called Reconstruct. But we were kind of on each other's schedule and that moved a bit slower. So eventually I was like, I'm going to start my own show about Christianity. And that's you have permission. Um, and so my background is uh, I am now studying to be a psychologist. So I always assumed that I would become a theologian of some or at least I would go to wow. school for theology, <laughs> maybe yeah. not be a theologian, but try and be a professor or <clears throat> something. Uh, but that's a that's a really bad job market. It's very hard to find a job in that world. And I started, because of Depolarize, thinking about politics it led me to psychology. And I thought, wow, this is so interesting. I think that the answers, the, the, the descriptions that psychology gives me are, are kind of more satisfying for the questions that I'm asking mm -hmm. than, the, than the descriptions that theology gives me. So I still love theology as much as I did, 
But a lot of the stuff that I want to figure out, I have been finding over the last four or five years that I, I find myself looking to psychology a bit more often um, to just to describe the, the world that I find myself in and human behavior and and why progressive and traditional Christians disagree and dislike each other yeah. so much and why did people vote for Trump and and why, you know, uh, like all those kind of questions, I, I just keep finding psychology is uh, is pointing me in the direction that's a bit more satisfying, a bit more meat on the bone. And so I continue this show, uh, you know, you have permission dealing with faith questions, but a lot of psychology comes in and eventually that will be my career. Mm, yeah, and your show is brilliant, man. I feel like it's a little bit out of my 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 scope, but basically you're saying, and I'm just kind of going back a little bit to your introduction of being in a band called Sherwood. Yeah. So you're saying that it's harder to make it in psychology, but it's easier to be in a band traveling around the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, yeah. So that was that was. I mean, we were obviously very lucky. We were a good band. Uh, and I, you know, I had played my little part in that. I was a, a fifth of that band being good. Um, mm. But also we didn't have any families. None of us were married during those years. Mm. We didn't really have any expenses. And so to try and make a living out of that today would be impossible. Um, and, and so I actually, for my day job, I write, you saw the guitars earlier. I write music for advertisements. So that's how I pay the bills right now. And then eventually I'll, be a psychologist and that will be how I pay the bills. So um, I did figure out a way to make money with music, but it wasn't on tour. And so when I say that theology would be hard, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to stop doing music and I'm going to go do theology or I'm going to go do psychology, uh, psychology is a much uh, easier way to support a family than theology because there are very few jobs. Hmm. Nice. Well, I want to tell you, as you were saying, psychology, just kind of like a funny story. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like an icebreaker <laughs> type of thing. But <laughs> when I was in high school, which, well, I don't know your age, but I'm 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 going to be 40 this year. You know, I'm 37. And, yeah. Okay. So in high school was for me was around like 1997 or 98. Yeah. And a funny thing is, you know how you go to school and then they have this test where they're trying to. Okay, you could be good at this or you could be good at that. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it's called in English, but uh, this is a high school in Mexico, right? So I go through yeah. that test. I do it. And then like a couple weeks later, the teacher comes to me. It's like, hey, I want to sit down with you. And she says, Beto or Humberto, felicidades, congratulations. You could do anything you want. You know, the test came back and it, I mean, I don't know if she meant like I'm brilliant or something, but she's like, you can do whatever you want, right? So That's I'm like, awesome. Okay. But then she said this, but if you want something specific, you would be really good in psychology. And I was like, what? I was super young, like a little bit of yeah. a, a rebel and whatnot. And I thought... Are you kidding me? The test must be wrong. That's that's not at all who I am. <laughs> Has nothing to do, no aspiration whatsoever yeah. to psychology. And now a little bit kind of like you, I find myself a little bit more like asking the questions. And not that I no, I don't have a psychology background or anything. Right. But I do feel like, wow, there's a lot about just how we interact with each other as humans, you know, like psychology or even uh sociology, right? And all these things. Right. Yeah. But I feel like it's true. I mean, it's it's just kind of like, to me, it's so interesting, you know? And I feel like a little bit of what you're doing with uh, with your podcast and your questions is, I mean, I can totally see why you're pursuing psychology. Uh, well, Dan, and if you, the fact yeah. that you like the podcast means that you do have a fair mm. amount of interest in that stuff or else you wouldn't like it, right? Yeah, that's true. Because one of the questions I want to ask, and maybe this is the way right now, this is a good spot because I've, well... First, I want to say with this type of shows, I don't necessarily have an agenda that I want to pursue other than, I mean, I have a few questions here, Yeah. but it's a little bit more of a, like, like a rabbit trail, you know, just pulling Great. on the thread. do that. Yeah. Um, so just forgot what we were saying. <laughs> you said this would be a nice transition to the following question. Yeah. I forgot what the question oh, was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I guess it was um psychology oh yeah 
the question is this because I'm interested in you have permission podcast like who is uh like the the typical listener of you have permission what's your audience yeah that's a good question so I've actually done a little bit of research on this and I I had like a poll that I had the patrons of the show take and you know so those are the people who support it financially and they you know they might be a little different than the average listener but they're probably pretty similar um so one thing i find is they're almost all white uh and i don't i don't like that <laughs> and that's been getting a little better uh, uh but it's still largely white um pretty if it mix. helps if it helps i listen to it and i'm from mexico right um so so that's good yeah you've got the You've got that Hispanic origin help helping me uh, offset it there a little bit. Um, so they've, uh, yeah. Or is it, so if you're from Mexico, is you could be Hispanic, but it's also Latino. Yeah. Right? Not I, everybody from Mexico is Hispanic. I, I have a, a, that's a big question for me. Because even here, I feel like, what am I? You know, because in Mexico, yeah. all we knew is we're mestizos, which means mixed Yeah. And it made perfect sense, you know, because, like, oh, okay, we, we don't need to identify specifically with a race. Yeah. It's like we're just a mixture. And that's how I would describe myself. So, but yeah. then in America, I do find that, you know, you're white, you're black, or you're all this other stuff. And I yeah. do, I feel like sometimes people do confuse, you know, Hispanic heritage or, you know, even mm -hmm. speaking Spanish with, oh, that's your race. I'm like, right. wow, I, I don't think that's my race. But yeah, it could be super confusing. Yeah, it's I don't I get it wrong. But I think that in the States, we would say that there can be people of Spanish descent who are considered white. So they're Hispanic. Mm. But if you are if you have like indigenous descent from Latin America, then that's Latino. Mm. And so you could be both or you could be one or the other or both. I think I don't really understand it. I, anyway, that's probably a waste of time. Um, but so a lot of white listeners, pretty good mix of men and women. Um, but I think more men and I, but I mean, I think what you're probably getting at really is more like, I mean, I would imagine what you're asking is where do they stand kind of in re religiously? Is that what you All of mean? it, man. I all like the stats. Okay. I like the stats. You're interested too, in so. the stats. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. So, uh, the average listener of you have permission is probably like 30, um, maybe, uh, maybe 30 to 40. And is a former evangelical, I would say. The average listener is somebody who was raised evangelical Christian and does not identify as evangelical anymore, but probably does identify as Christian. That's, wow. I'm trying, I'm thinking of kind of like the average listener, right? So, yeah, 30 ish, still Christian, but not the same kind of Christian they were raised. Um, theologically, somewhat liberal. So, very few people that listen to the show self-identify as conservative theologically. Some of them identify as like very liberal, but more than that would identify as like somewhat liberal wow. um, theologically and probably somewhat liberal politically. So more Democrats than Republicans, but there is a mix on that. And there's a lot of independents, people who don't really identify with either party Um What else? What do, what do I know about them? I it's it's kind of bad timing. I wish that uh, we if we had done this in like a week or two. I'm I'm having an interview with my editor, who combed through all that data and like pulled a bunch of talking points out, and we are gonna, we're going to discuss it as an episode for the patrons. And so I would have way more of this in the top of my head if we had already done that. But that's that's a start. Mm -hmm. Well. I guess another good question would be kind of like in the same theme of who the audience is, is it would be kind of like, how did you end up in this position where you need to have a podcast for this type of audience? Like, what's your journey? Your mm. like, yeah, how did you end up on this side? Or, you know, how would you define your own theology or your own you know, stance politically and all of that? You know, I think that uh, this is something that I think that Uh, a Mexican high schooler and a, and a Californian high schooler might have had in common. Did you listen to punk rock when you were in high school? Um, yeah, a little bit, especially what was it? Blink 182 yeah, and Blink. stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So for me, a lot of this comes back to 
my first identity as a teenager being like a punk kid. And there is a part of me that that still really resonates with that and identifies with that. And one of the things that I was finding as my own faith, so I studied philosophy in college. And uh, you know, we're gonna I'm sure we're gonna talk more explicitly about faith deconstruction and reconstruction and all of that. But for me, they basically always happened pretty close to each other. I never I never deconstructed all the way down to the ground. You know, I never I never really didn't consider myself a Christian maybe a couple months in college when I was like really depressed and I don't, it wasn't really what it was about. I don't think, uh, I think there was something else going on. And, you know, so it's more been like a, a piece of this, a piece of that as I go along, as I learn more, as I live more, as I talk with smart people and, and as I grow up basically. And so one thing that I found when I got to a certain point of recognizing, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm basically like a, I'm a progressive Christian. I'm like a, I have a liberal theology, you know, in the classic sense. I started really recognizing how often people in more conservative circles uh, would kind of demonize that and would, would use actually really bad arguments against it. So they would say, you know, oh, liberals are caving to secular culture and they just want to be accepted by mainstream culture and so they are giving up their faith you know to fit in or something and i started looking around and i was like huh you know there's some pretty weird conservative culture like i don't know being obsessed with guns being obsessed <laughs> with war and militarism um you know in the last five years like rabidly supporting donald trump uh these are cultural forces as well and it looks to me like people on the right are caving to that culture. And so it's not so clear that we can just label one side as wrong and heretics and whatever. And so that made me want to say, like, you have permission. Like, I felt like a lot of people, especially if you grow up in a more strict environment, you are it is heavily implied that you do not have permission to consider other ways of being a Christian, other ways of being a human being. And I felt like you do, you do have permission to do that. Like who says who, you know, like plenty of, plenty of Christians have liberal theological beliefs. Um, I think Martin Luther King was kind of liberal theologically, Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Like, uh, so that was, that's kind of what brought me there of just like, a little bit of a punk rock thing of like, no, you can't tell people that they're not allowed to use their mind and heart in the service of discovering the truth in God's world. And so that's really, I think that's what brought me. That's a good question. That's what brought me to starting this show. Mm -hmm. Wow, man, that's good. And I wonder also if, um, you know, as you talk about kind of like theologically progressive um and you no know, conser conservative is that how you yeah. say it? yeah right and but then is that kind of like translated equally to when it comes to like politics i mean mm. if you're culturally conservative is that mean you're kind of like theologically conservative too uh what's your experience what have you what have you noticed as you have asked questions to like all these you know smart yeah. people that is a really good question. And what I think that we have seen is that increasingly that is true. Yes, they are. They are aligned with each other and they they haven't always been that way. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is actually one of the one of the forces that I think people do cave to. They cave to culture in that sense. And I think that people on the left and right both do this, that increasingly these days, almost everything about us fits into one of those two boxes. So I am, I'm likely to be, uh, I wear camo. I drive a truck. I like to hunt. I vote for Republicans. My theology is traditionally conservative, you know, and whatever, or, and let's see what else I like duck dynasty. And <laughs> I like, uh, you know, the Jack Reacher movies or something. Fill it in however you want. 
or on the other side, and I live in a rural setting or, you know, deep suburbs, or I, I'm urban, I am politically liberal, I drive a Prius, or I wish I drove a Prius, or an electric car, I don't wear camo, I wear like J Crew, like well-fitted clothes, or Gap or something, I listen to urban music, so I listen to hip-hop, don't listen to country, you know, uh, fill it in, right? So, and, I, and my theology is more progressive and my politics are progressive. And I think it's really sad. Um, I think it's sad that we keep seeing that more and more and more and more. And, I, and there are no current signs of that slowing down as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And But that wasn't true like 50 years ago, for instance, that was not true. Uh, those things were not all lined up in the same way they are now 60 years ago. Um, and so myself, I am quite liberal theologically, uh, but I'm actually kind of, I'm only kind of center left politically. I'm a bit of a moderate politically. And part of that is because I have been really convinced by the writings of a lot of psychologists and political scientists um, that we have to be very careful about the stuff that we assume is true because everybody around us believes that it's true. And so the fact that we are in these two silos, these two groups more and more and more and more on, on every single part of our life that distorts our image of reality. And so we, we have to question that. And so I have, I have had to question that and it's, it's brought me more to the middle in a political sense um, but I guess my theological reasoning has not shifted all that much. Maybe it should. Maybe I should be more theologically in the center. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe that'll come next. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Interesting, man. I, well, first, I feel like a lot of this has to do with, with Christianity in the West, right? Like I've been, like, I was just listening mm. to this guy and I forgot his, his exact last name, but I think it's. I have it wrong, but he's the author of this book I have right here, Unsettling Truths. So Unsettling Truths, he co-authored the book with, with, let me see. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mark Charles. Okay, so Mark Charles is... Yeah, Mark Charles. Was, He's an indigenous yeah. theologian, yeah, or mm -hmm. historian, or, yeah. Yeah, he was on the podcast on our show, like, a, was one of my first episodes, Cool. But then he co-wrote the, the, the book with this other guy named Chu Adhkarman, but Sung Chang. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I want to get it right. Sung Chang. And so anyways, we were in this conversation with a bunch of pastors, mostly from, from the United States and Canada, right? Mm -hmm. And then Sung Chang is saying how Christianity in the world now is it, super interesting because he's saying the global south Right there, basically Christianity is it's it's there's kind of like a a division, or you can get it to know like the Western Christianity, right? Yeah. United States, England, Europe, uh, it's all kind of like coming to the end. Uh, but yeah. then there's the global South, and they're what they're saying was super interesting is the global South now has the majority of Christians in yeah. the world, right? More than mm -hmm. the U.S., more than the the Western Christianity, but yeah. He's saying, but but Western Christianity it still has a hold on power and culture. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, we, we're still exporting Western ideas to the global South through basically we have more, you know, we have more sophisticated media, we have more money, uh, and so a lot of the rest of the world still looks to us as you know the best example or something like that. And I think that that's kind of silly in a lot of ways. And I, just because we have money doesn't really mean that we have better theology. doesn't mean that we're closer to God. Uh, that's actually something very cool about what you're doing is that you are kind of a bridge because of your background between the Western church and at least the Latin American church. Um, I'm sure plenty of Latino Christians speak enough English to listen to your show and enjoy it and have a bit more of a connection to you than they would to me, for instance. You've, you've lived a closer version of their experience than I have. Uh, so that's actually very, that gets me very excited about, about your work uh, because I just feel like I have no access, you know, to that. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I feel like that's been a little bit of a, 
when I started the podcast, well, first, this isn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> you know, what I wanted to do was just have a website with, which would just feature like all these podcasts, right? Yeah. Almost like when you go to Spotify and all these podcasts yeah. under Christianity. But then I thought, okay, this is this is going to be a massive endeavor for me. Uh, maybe I'm just going to start my podcast. And I do have a background in communications. So okay. there is there is some sort of like passion, you know, for, yeah. for this type of thing. And funny thing going all the way back to how you introduce yourself uh i used to do interviews for like christian bands and stuff here in the u.s oh, nice. and one of the bands i interviewed at one point was emery yeah and actually i ended up listening to to the the bad christian podcast right and yeah. to me i feel like they are the they are like the papas of Christian podcasts, right? I feel like they started it all, at least the the conversational side of it, right? <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, there there are some people who did it earlier, like like Trip Fuller from Homebrewed Homebrewed Christianity. He mm. he's been going for almost fifteen years now. Wow! So he is really at the beginning, but that is more of like a seminary level, mm. very academic kind of yeah. conversation for the most part. Whereas Bad Christian is like super casual, uh, you know. They yeah. did go to college, but they they do everything they can to talk like they didn't go to college, you know that kind of a thing. <laughs> and they're wow. they're good buddies of mine, so I I can give them a hard time. But you nice. should like. I wonder, are, do you do any stuff with Spanish language Christian podcasts as well? Uh, well, I do have one episode with uh, a podcast that's in Spanish. Yeah. But the funny thing is, they're in Peru, but they're both American pastors oh, who moved to Peru like thirty eight years ago. Okay. So their podcast is in Spanish, but on my show they were speaking English because it was it was right. comfortable for them to do. But yeah. I do want to do more of like Spanish stuff. I mean, uh, so I I'm, think if I were you, I would have the two two branches, and I would mm -hmm. I would do both. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to double your workload or whatever. But like, you're I at like a it. cool little you're at a very interesting place, and and I think that you know you could even bring together. Uh, conversations between English-speaking Latin American podcasters and Western podcasters with you hosting uh, and and talking about their different experiences, the, the way that their shows are received, like yeah. um, the kind of stuff that they learn from the people who are in their lives day to day, where they live. Uh, I mean, it's just, you have a, you've got a pretty unique little uh, placement here I i'm gonna it. take you up on your advice man and actually maybe one question because you have more than 100 episodes of experience man so <laughs> yeah. would you if i do a podcast in spanish do you think it should be i mean branch it out but at the same time would it be on the same feed as this podcast you, or would you i have to do separate it two feeds i think yeah oh, okay yeah All right. and you just mention at the top of every show that you have both and so uh, bilingual people uh, like yourself uh, would ch could listen to both and just choose which one, you know, wh whoever they're interested in hearing from and, and they have the, the choice. And then people like me could listen to the English ones only or whatever. Um, it's a pretty cool idea though, dude. I mean, you could take some of the Thank stuff you. <laughs> that, uh, that those, you know, and, and um, those guys, Mark and, and Soong Cha are not the only ones. I mean, there's a whole slew of theologians and uh church historians and stuff who are working on this stuff on like how do we move past colonialism you know to something else and there's some really really good really interesting work going on like in the academy mm -hmm. on those issues and i've i've talked with the people here and there about it on the various podcasts of mine it's not an area that i've spent a ton of time on but i know that really cool work is being done and you're like incredibly well positioned to actually like do some of that work get those conversations going mm -hmm. i'm gonna do it man i'm gonna yeah. do it i'm on it i'm on it love heck it yeah yeah heck yeah <laughs> i don't I really know it. if people swear on your show or not <laughs> we swear on my show sometimes but i you know i try and keep it is heck a, is heck swearing no heck's not i was okay. gonna say hell yeah because that's oh, what, okay. how i talk but i don't know maybe that turns some people off uh, my brother used to say that all the time. No, from Mexico, we've been here, and he's like, hell, or whatever, or yeah. heck. But he was funny. <laughs> he was just a funny story about my brother. He's in Mexico, but uh, he used to be really careful when he used 
the word beach because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't pronounce it very well. So it's like every yeah. time it's like, you know, we're going to the beach, beach. <laughs> Ah, like, oh, it's okay, man. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. ocean. You say the ocean. Yeah, yeah. We're going to the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, it's okay, man. I don't mind cussing. I, I don't know if I do it or not, but ah, uh, whatever. You're just I making. I have, I have such a such a California white boy relationship to Mexico. Uh, but huh. have spent a good amount of time there. Sherwood lived there for a month and a half at one point when we were making one of our records. Um, and I've been, I don't know, 12 times or something to Mexico in my life. And nice. you just talking about the beach makes me think of, uh, just the Tijuana, uh, Tijuana beach and some of the taco stands there. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, I can picture this place and I just mix, <laughs> I just miss Mexican tacos. If I'm ever in San Diego, I drive as close to the border as I can and I get, you know, wh whatever I can find that is like as authentic as possible. It's just like maybe Love my it. favorite food in the world is a is a taco in Mexico. It might be my number one <laughs> food wow. item. Wow. Yeah. I think the same for me, man. Even though if you are around Orange County at all, you know, come over and I'll take you to some really good places here in the okay. area. Now, Even to my I, house, man, because my wife knows how to cook Mexican stuff. <laughs> my turn to take you up on something. That's what I'll do next time I'm in OC. <laughs> Nice. I love it, man. Well, let's go back a little bit to your you had permission and all these like deconstruction ideas. I feel like one of the the bigger questions in my mind, because we've talked about progressive and conservative and stuff, what would be some of the like two or three key elements mm -hmm. of either or, right? Of Yeah. So a big one would be a big one these days is biblical inerrancy. So uh, a, a more these days, a more conservative view is that some version of the Bible is inerrant, meaning uh, whether it's the Bible we have today or if it's the original manuscript before translations and before, you know, copying errors, some version of the Bible God ensured would have no mistakes in it, that it would never say anything wrong about anything that it's talking about. And there are different ways of interpreting that. Like you might say, well, it could be wrong about science or history because that's not what it's talking about in this passage. Uh, but a, per, uh, a liberal Christian would, like myself, would look at something like um, in Joshua and Judges where God commands the Israelites to kill everybody in Canaan, that that's just false, that God did not do that. God is not the kind of God that would actually command something like that. Whereas if you were committed to inerrancy, then you would have to say something like, well, God did command it and we just must not understand why he did. And maybe here's an option or here's an option. Whereas uh, a non-inerrantist can go, oh yeah, they, they got that wrong. That's not wow. what God is like. That's not what God's like. And we know that because of Jesus, or we know that because of, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. So inerrancy, so inerrancy is a big one. Inerrancy is a wow. big one. Yeah. If you go, but, but what's interesting about that is that's really only a big divider since in like the last hundred to 200 years. Mm -hmm. Earlier than that, when fewer people were literate, that was not the, that was not what separated uh, liberals and conservatives, but that is often what does separate us today. Another one would be uh, gender and, and sexuality questions. So um, some conservatives do uh, affirm women as, pre as preachers, as ministers, and they ordain women. So the Foursquare denomination is a pretty conservative denomination, uh, but they, uh, they do ordain women, and there's a handful of others, whereas um, all the liberal denominations ordain women. And then the only liberal denominations will be um, LGBTQ affirming. So they will say uh, it's not the person, it's not the gender of the person you're having sex with that makes it sinful or not. It is, you know, other things about selfishness or, or whatever else that would make se uh, sin sex sinful. Whereas uh, conservative or traditional Christians would say, no, the Bible says that 
homosexual and other, you know, non straight sex is wrong in God's eyes. So that's another big um, distinction. And then maybe another one that's, you know, and for, uh, for a lot of these, you know, if you actually broke it down, all the different denominations, it's a little more complicated than I'm making it out to be. Um, and especially Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy really complicate things because Catholics do not believe in inerrancy, for instance, but a lot of Catholics are very conservative. So in that sense, it's more like, well, you know, do you like the Council of Trent or do you like Vatican II? Do you like, do you like, uh, you know, Papa, Pope Francis, or did you prefer Benedict? Um, so Catholicism kind of has its own internal conversation. I'm mostly talking about Protestantism where when we disagree, we start new denominations and then we fight with each other. So wow. <laughs> that's okay. So that's a, that's a basically, a that's the basic, uh, landscape. Wow. That's so interesting, man. I, I come from a branch or whatever of, of Christianity from Mexico, which would be probably Protestantism. Yeah. Um, But then what I also found that it's it's just odd a little bit. and But now that I've been here in America for like 15 years, it kind of helps me understand where America is at uh, culturally mm. and with you no know, religion and Christianity. But, I bet. I yeah, bet it would, yeah. Because in Mexico, being a Christian, like being a follower of Jesus was already something that you had to do on the fringes, on the on the margins. Hmm. Because the like the nominal religion in Mexico is Catholic, right? So right. 90, 90 whatever percent yeah. of people of the population in Mexico would say, "Oh, I'm Catholic." Why? Oh, because that's the only option, right? <laughs> and and right. but it's it's almost like the same thing that happens here in America in a couple of, you know from yeah t until before COVID at least, yeah. where the nominal Christian shows up at church, you know, two times a year. That's exactly what happened in Mexico, right? For that, for that type of Christianity. Yep. But then, if you're following like Jesus in this, I don't know if, if authentic way or I don't know what the word is. Sure. But it's a, it's it felt genuine to me, right? And yeah. and I feel like in America, there's a little bit of that, that confusion of are we a are we a religion? Are we a, just a way of thinking? And then it's embedded a little bit with nationalism and kind yep. of what you were mentioning at the beginning. Yep. Totally confusing, man. What's, yeah. what's happened next? It's What very complicated. Next? Uh, that, I wish I knew. I mean, <laughs> so did you feel like, did you have friends who were Catholics that were really sincere Catholics? Or most of your Catholic friends were nominal? Most, I would say, were nominal. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel like there were a lot of sincere Catholics. And actually, my wife, you know, she was, she was Catholic. And then she ended up, you know, kind of like converting or becoming Christian or whatever, right? Yeah. But uh, but at the same time, I feel like uh, because it's it's based on Christianity, right? And on Jesus, I feel like a lot of the values are the same, right? So I feel like I, there's I, a lot of I common I got very ground. close to becoming Catholic myself. I almost became a Catholic about three years ago. Wow. Uh, and I have an episode about this coming out soon where one of our Catholic listeners interviews me about it. And I sort of reverse interview him a little bit as well about how he became Catholic. Um, but, you know, I think that you find nominal, I think you just find nominal Christians anywhere that there is a wide enough acceptance of Christianity, just like I'm sure you find nominal Buddhists, nominal Muslims, anytime that like there is a majority religion, mm -hmm. you're going to have a bunch of nominal religionists yeah. basically like you're going to have the people who do it because it is a part of their culture and then you'll always have the smaller portion of people who are really committed to it and i think that's probably just like a rule of human societies i mean i would guess mm -hmm. i don't i think you probably cannot find any exceptions to that so for me uh catholicism is in my mind is undoubtedly christianity it is a different tradition it has It makes some different assumptions. It has different, you know, uh, some of the same founding theologians uh, as Protestantism, but some differences as well. Um, but, you know, most Protestants will quote Aquinas or Augustine or, you know, all these guys who were yeah. doing their work when it was still Catholicism, basically. Um, although 
an Eastern Orthodox would quibble with that because it was actually the United Church, and then <laughs> it becomes Catholicism when they leave in the 11th century. So uh, that's all it gets complicated too. But to me, so one of the questions that people ask me a lot of times is, well, what is what, who's a Christian? Who counts as a Christian? And my answer is simple. It's just anybody who says Jesus is Lord. That makes mm-hmm. you a Christian. And you might mean different things by it, but that's good enough for me. And uh, yeah, so, but I have a pretty, that's the pretty open definition. I think mm-hmm. other people have more wow. rigorous ones. Yeah. Interesting, man, because I, I feel like a little bit of my journey has dealt with deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because I started working here at this church, um, Palm Harvest in Costa Mesa, about three or four years ago. So not not that it was bad or anything. It was, I mean, it was actually phenomenal. You know, it was like the first time I was ever getting paid to do th- things I loved. Yeah. But at the same time, I was wrestling with the idea of, wow, now I'm getting paid to do things I love when all my life, you know, even when I was in Mexico, even here in America, I've done these things out of just volunteer, right? I've been right. the guy right. that plays the song or sings worship or leads people, you know, into the presence of God or whatever, because it's it's just part of my my heart's desire, right? Yeah. Um, but I had to wrestle with these. And then I feel like, I mean, there's been, that's why I've been listening to like podcasts, reading books, um, you know, listening to even like these guys from from Emory, right? I, I feel like they, in a sense, like they they pointed people to like that deconstruction mm-hmm. uh, because, well, you know their story, right? They used to be worship pastors or whatever at right. some church. Yeah, both of them. Right. Yep. So I feel like now that I'm, I'm at least on this stage, not that I have overcome, you know, my deconstruction or maybe I did start reconstructing and didn't even notice, but I feel like my my only theology gets summarized super simple. Like, but it cost me everything. It cost me everything to come to these two conclusions. You know, I don't, it's not lightly at all that I say these yeah. two. I said, wow, Jesus is God and God is good. And I mean, as cheesy as that sounds, you know, yeah. God is good. I feel like, these are my two true statements that I, I feel like I'm going to live by the rest of my life. You know, I love that. I love those. And I would say, uh, really for me, it God is good has become the most foundational. Like if I was wow. going to take your two and I would say some days I think Jesus is God. Some days I think Jesus points me to God, hmm. you know, points us to God. Uh, I don't, you know, I waffle because I have more doubt some days than other days, but what it really, what my faith is, whether or not I'm doubting it, when I believe it, it is that God is good and that I experience that God through Jesus. That's probably, that's probably the most succinct way to say it for me. And there are days when I doubt that God is good. Of course, I have days where I don't know if God's good and maybe this is all just a big trick and... Uh, you know, or we are deceiving ourselves or whatever. But most of the time, I recognize that my experience of God is indeed that God is just completely unending love. And, um, and yeah, just total regard for me and my, my family and my community and, and my world and a love for all of God's creatures. And, and that when I, when I share in that, when I treat God's creatures that way, when I value them the way that I think God values them, that's when things make sense. That's when things go better. That's when my life looks the way I want my life to look. That's when, you know, that's when I, when I lose my life, I gain it, to use Jesus's language, right? So uh, that's a, it's beautiful the way you said it, too. Thank you, Dan. Well, as I'm thinking of, you know, what you said at the beginning that you do have a little baby and God is good, you know, or you, you have found that that statement to become truth. I I think I heard I, it might have been maybe in a bad Christian episode long ago. I don't know where, man, but I, I think there was uh, some sort of like a struggle to have children, something like yeah, that. And, yeah, my wife and I, yes. Okay, because now I've no, I've kind of followed you on Instagram, and I feel like, wow, this guy is in love he, with love this him. little boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, we had um, we had three years of infertility. We had four miscarriages in a row. They were all early miscarriages. So I now know uh, I can't actually I actually can't imagine, you know, 20 weeks or something like that, which we've had many friends. Ours were more like seven to 12 weeks, uh, one surgery in there for my wife. And um, that was that was really hard, man. And it also happened at the same time that some stuff with my family was going on that was really hard. And that was just the darkest, the darkest few years of my life, probably. And um, I, but there were, there were moments of God in there for sure. I mean, I, my, my theological conviction is that God is with the people who are suffering just as much as God is with people who are rejoicing. And I do think God was with us. And there are there is evidence of that. Like, for instance, in the way that we chose to go forward with IVF, which I know is controversial, and um, and actually I have some some pretty strong feelings around it. But given what I knew about our situation, I felt comfortable with it, and, and so did my wife. And but there was like a prayer moment as part of that, that felt really confirming. And there was a conversation with a, a very loving friend that I think God spoke through. And then, uh, of course we had Soren healthy and happy. And, uh, the day he was born is the best day of my life. And I always tell my wife, I'm sorry to say that but it, <laughs> it easily wow. beat out our wedding. Um, and, uh, even though we had a great wedding, uh, wow. and, you know, uh, it's, I can't think about my faith without thinking about my son being born and thinking about how fatherhood is changing my theology, you know, or, or filling it in or giving me better metaphors. You know, I don't know how to say it exactly. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I have three kids, man. I know parenting changed me for sure. Yeah. I feel like it gave me a brand new perspective. I remember one time asking, you no, know, my my oldest was super young, was probably like maybe one or two, I don't remember. And my dad was visiting from Mexico. And I remember asking my dad, like, dad, was it like this when I was little? I mean, did you have to like pay all this care and attention and feel like, man, I got to make sure this kid survives and, you know, kind of like provide and give all these opportunities for this little boy and he's like well he told me one story again from my brother he's like one time you know he just started thinking right about yeah. this this uh this well when we were young and he's like yeah one time your brother he just said one day you know when he was what 11 12 or whatever um i wanna i wanna go on my bike to the ramps Right in Mexico, there was a place that was super popular because back in the days was the '80s, and you know BMX was oh yeah was huge, right? It was massive, the GT bikes and all of that. And he's like, and and I said, okay, I'm gonna take you, you know. And then I took him there, and it's just like, and he was jumping and he was flying, and my heart was just like sinking every time because I'm like, wow, this guy's gonna fall, this guy's gonna land, he's gonna break something, yeah. And I feel like, wow. I've never noticed like all the worry, all the concern, all the caring when you're little, right? When you're a, yeah. when you're a, when you're a young kid, all you care is basically whatever circumstances and whatever satisfies yourself. And you're not thinking, oh, you know, maybe my dad is actually trying to care for me. No, I mean, you're just kind of like reckless, not. right? Yeah. You can't, you can't see that yet. Right. And it's the same thing now with my kids, you know, I feel like I want to, I want to teach him and I want to be a good example for them. And maybe this is kind of like maybe my you know, coming towards the, the end of my questions for you, man. As you think of, of the next generation, you know, of the, mm. the upcoming kids of the world, my kids, your kids soaring, uh, the kids that are going to inherit this land. And even as I was, you know, one of my previous podcasts was with Leonard Sweet and he was saying, our kids... If they were born in this century, they have a chance to make it to the next one. We probably yeah. won't make it, right? No. I mean, we're old enough. I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. What That's crazy. would be something you want to leave 
behind um, for them in terms of, I, I don't know if you want to just you know, focus on maybe the, the theological side, the humanity side, the psychological side, what yeah. would be something that for sure you're like, I hope the world looks like this when they're older? That's a great, great question, Beto. Wow. Um, hmm. Just to leave you something to think about, man. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I, you know, I, it's funny. I haven't, this is a very common thing you hear people talk about when they have kids. They start to, they say things like, I started thinking about the world that my kids would inhabit or whatever. Hmm. I haven't really gone that route very much yet, but I should, I want to, and I'm going to do it right now off the cuff. Um, <laughs> For my son himself, I I hope that he, I hope that I can train him how to think. I hope that he can learn, you know, how to think clearly and not be, and not be uh, taken advantage of by people who who benefit from him being an unclear thinker. Um, and that's a a real problem, I think in actually in uh, global culture today, um, especially with the rise of social media and a decreasing trust in institutions. I think that people are, have ended up becoming quite gullible, not meaning to be. Um, and so that's one thing. Another thing is uh, I'm, I am, I'm deadly worried about climate change and I don't know. Uh, I don't know the kind of, um, you know, my son's 37 years younger than me. So that 37 year gap in terms of the climate and what that does to geopolitics and refugees and extreme poverty. Um, I don't know. My guess is that he will live in a, in a, a more chaotic world than I will have lived in. Obviously we're overlapping quite a bit. I hope, I hope we overlap for 60 years. Uh, but he'll then probably have another 37 years that I don't have. Right. And so what is, what's that difference? Um, and then I, I'll, I'll just try and answer all of them. So theologically, what kind of a world, um, this seems like a lot to ask right now, but I would, I am really thirsting for, um, so right now I'm studying, um, religious and spiritual abuse, that is the topic of my own dissertation work in my program. And uh, I'm, I've started my own research on that. And one thing I'm realizing is that I am going to have to work together with traditional and conservative Christians to get anything done on this. That if I just talk to other liberals, they're going to, some of them will learn some things, but they probably already agree and they probably already have some stuff in place. Uh, because liberals have those kinds of institutions, you know, um, and conservatives often don't, and they are more, you know, you think, I think of Pentecostals and Baptists and they're, they're going where God leads them and they don't want a lot of red tape. Um, but we do need to protect, we need to protect people in our congregations, especially women and children. Um, but we also need to protect ministers from that kind of abuse. And so I, I need to be able to work together on the ground with people that I don't agree with theologically. And right now, I mean, there are people who's, there are people sprouting up and, and kind of blowing up in terms of their careers, whose entire career is based on uh, demonizing progressive Christians. And, you know, there's such a pushback right now to this phenomenon of, of deconstruction and I get that. I think it's natural. But what I would hope is that my son grows up in a world where there are many meaningful collaborative projects between conservative and progressive Christians and that we will work together based on that shared identity of following Christ. So that feels kind of naive right now in 2021, but 2040, maybe <laughs> not, you know, maybe I'll be Maybe I myself will be on the board of multiple, you know, institutions that do that. Who knows? That would be great. I would love that. Wow. There you go. If you're listening and you need somebody on your board, 
There's Dan Coke. He already committed to it. Right Give me here. a few years. Let me at least get my degree. You know, man, you don't need a degree. No, you do. I'm working on mine. Man, it's a different story. But <laughs> as we're talking right now, I've been sending emails upon emails back to my school in Mexico to because get transcripts I, and stuff. Yeah, I finished, but I never got my actual title. You know, yeah, the actual paper. Yeah. And right now I'm undergoing an uh, immigration process, which th that's just another story of itself. But yeah, nonetheless, I'm talking to my university and I'm like, man, I got to get this done. So I'm almost like going back to school, probably starting next next month online. So luckily I can do all that sort of stuff now online. Yeah. But man, yeah. I got you. Papers are important. So finish. You're great, man. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, I, I got lucky. I went back to finish my undergrad. I think right before my credits expired from before Sherwood. So I would have lost three years of work and had to have done it again, maybe two and a half years. Wow. That would have been awful. I'm so glad yeah. that I, 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 I acted within the seven year period where you lose those units. And so yeah. I can't imagine. Oh, dude. So cool, man. You're kind of disappearing on me. <laughs> I know because of the <laughs> You're well, a ghost. I'll give you we'll do one more last look at what it actually looks like back here. It's, it's just I like the guitars, man. If, if you ask the, me, I'm like the guitars look cool. The the random blanket and the playpen and styrofoam and the cardboard box, those look less. All cool I'm than looking the at is the guitars and the keyboard. I'm like, oh, I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. That's so cool, man. Man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Thanks you for. Having for me for kind of like looking at the future with hope with me and in a sense almost like i feel like what you're doing in a sense it's creating that society that you want for the future and um you know as you do your you have permission podcast but then also i know you have a website so maybe you want to point people who are deconstructing yeah to your website <laughs> yeah yeah my friend sari and i we made a website called soyourdeconstructing.com y-o-u-r-e and it's just a bunch of resources for people who are going through some doubt or questioning some parts of their faith or may maybe you know that word deconstructing maybe you don't but it's you know your your faith is being challenged in some way and so there are like testimonies of what that's like for people who have come gone through it and come out the other side there is a, a massive topics list that each has like 15 or so resources for each topic that you might be thinking through. There's a page for communities, both digital and in person. There's a page for therapy, a page for uh, prayer and spiritual practices um, that might be helpful while you go through this. Sari and I have both done a lot of faith deconstruction and a lot of reconstruction. And uh, we very much identify with with that being part of our story. And it's just, uh, it's just resources. We're just trying to, it's just the kind of thing we wished had been around when we were going through it. That's mm. as simple as that, really. So good. Well, there you have it. Dan Koch from You Have Permission Podcast. I'm going to have your show also on you know, christianpodcast.com as one of the you know, feature on the directory. Awesome. So Thank if you. you guys are you know, listening or watching and you want to go, and just so you know, I'm looking at this other camera I have. So. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, go now to christianpodcast.com. Check out like all of our episodes that we've had and we've done with... Uh, people all across the world and other podcasters uh, featuring like the Christianity uh, label or whatever it's called. So check it out. Check Dan out. Check his website. He's a good dude. He's super smart. Go check his, his episodes. They're brilliant. They way more brilliant than than sometimes, you know, what I can offer you. So go check him out. I don't mind if people say, man, all I got out of Beto was to know that he pointed me to Dan I'm okay with that you know that's good uh, so go check it out thank you Dan for being on the show do you want to say one one last thought one last word one last whatever no I think you got it man I was just I'm very happy to meet you and I I'm excited to, I want to be in touch about your project and how you can bridge some of those worlds a little bit that'd be so good man um, I already have an idea of what I'm gonna do so thank you so much for it cool Yeah. For the for the advice, man. Great. Have a great rest of your day, man, and go and keep on being the best dad ever. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I think my wife is the best mom ever, and I am a I'm an adequate dad, is how I would say it. <laughs> but I'll I'll keep being at least adequate. Thanks, man. All right, man. Bye bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review whatever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.